Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 3, verse number 1, says this, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Now you and I would say that's a beautiful thing. Uh, what it really was saying is that it was scarce. Very few people knew the word of the Lord. And there was no, this is the word I want you to focus on, there was no open vision. There's no vision. In verse number 2 even uh, paints a dismal picture of the way the church looked. And it said this, And it came to pass in that time that Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. Now I think that's more than just natural. I think spiritual Eli had lost his connection with God. Right. And, and that's a very scary thing when we got preachers and pastors and priests that, that have no vision. Their eyes have gone dark. They become spiritually cold. They're not sensitive to what God wants to do. And verse 3 was the penalty. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Almost nonchalantly says the house of God the light went out in. I mean just nobody cared. Everybody went to bed. The light's out in church. Nobody cared at all. I, I want to preach to you just for a few minutes, hopefully, um, about how bad it is when you can't see. About how bad it is when you can't see. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church, God. I thank you for this city. God, I thank you for what you plan to do, God. I thank you for what, God, you're able to do. We stand with anticipation, excitement, God, at what you're doing and what you're going to do, God, even right here in Sheldon, Iowa. And we'll give you all the glory and the honor, for we are truly your people, the sheep of your pasture. God, we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. When I think God really blesses, and again, I'm just speaking from my limited um, walk with God. I didn't come to church till I was 23 years old, and, and so I have only about 22 or 23 years experience of walking with God. I didn't know this existed. I wasn't raised even in a denominal church. I was confirmed because my mom worked uptown, and it would not be good for her image if I didn't at least uh, have an affirmation or a confirmation of what we were supposedly were. But I didn't know God. I had no idea what God or church or spiritual things were even about. But I thank God that through the trials and the tribulations and the struggle, I thank God for the situation of a marriage going bad and, and, and depression coming in. I thank God for all the things that got me to where I am today. I wouldn't trade anything for where I'm at today. I wouldn't go back to the bar. I wouldn't go back to the bad marriage. I wouldn't go back to anything that, that laid before I knew Christ. I had actually forgotten a little bit about Sister Chris's testimony because I, it's been so long since you've not had a headache. I didn't remember that, but I remember that that morning and Brother Marquez and he started operating the gifts and I stood in the back going, oh no, please don't pick on the new ones. And Brother and Sister Wilson have only been here for a couple of weeks. Please don't pick on the new ones and called them out. Little did I know that God was going to do a miracle that day. And so I, I have learned that when God is in charge, you don't have to worry about anything. And I, I have learned that, that people have asked me many times, Brother Inger, why 
Why do you see the things that you see? I don't know if you uh, realize this or not, but every year the ladies' ministry calls for a report. And, and, I, and all the churches hate it. They want to know what your average attendance is. And they want to know uh, how many people were baptized and how many people got the Holy Ghost. And, and they call it every Easter. And it's the ladies because they have found out that when a lady uh, ministry, when the pastor's wives start calling pastors for numbers, they get answers. If I call a pastor for a number, he won't call me back. He won't return the phone call. He won't. And so, so get the women in charge, and they'll get the numbers. And, and um, <clears throat> this year, my wife cornered me finally this week and said, "You have got to get the numbers to the ladies' ministry president because she is calling me, and you need to do this." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to do this," but we did. And 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 we didn't bring the numbers with us, or did you pull them up right now? What what, what was the numbers collectively? Twenty-six people have received the Holy Ghost in a year's time, from Easter to Easter, and, and then twenty. How many were baptized? Okay, that is incredible. Uh, that that that's and when the ladies, uh, you know, president received that, she sent back. She said, "Wow!" Because Marathon supposed to be this tiny little church in the middle of nowhere that's got thirteen people that we're just waiting for the last few funerals so we can lock the doors and and dust out the uh, the paperwork and, and and turn in the keys of the church. When I came thirteen years ago, they came to me and said, "Brother Edgar, Marathon needs to be closed down. There's no reason for it to be in the middle of nowhere. It it, it should be part of this church and part of that church, and it's ridiculous and." and and, and, but, but, but I'm just a little bit different. I'm the type of person that, that looks at a situation and says, if I can see it, I believe God can do it. If I, in other words, if spiritually, if I can just believe that God can do something good in this situation, I just happen to know a God that always shows up and always performs and always is working on our behalf. And I can remember when my wife made the decision, she looked at me in the car and she said, don't let them shut that church down. We've got to get to Marathon. And April 1st was my first, uh, my 13 year anniversary just a few weeks ago. April Fool's Day. I, I, and I get teased all the time. Brother Inger, it was a joke. Why did you take it over? You really need to be out there pastoring. You need to, you need to be finding a, a, a real church to pastor. And I'm like, excuse me. This week or this, this, this June, I'll be going full time in the ministry. The money is there. The salary is there. They, they've been putting it in a bank account month after month after month to make sure there's a savings account for the salary. Who would have thought you could have come to a town of 200, pastor a church of 13 people that were on their way to the grave, if I could say it that way, or on their way to shutting down a dead church. Who would have thought that a little wet behind the ears young man could walk in that didn't have a lineage, that didn't come from Pentecost, that didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost, that didn't know what it was like to be raised in church. Who in the world would have imagined that God can use all that mess and say, today in 2016, we're opening up another campus in Sheldon, Iowa, where people are going to walk in and receive the same life-changing message that this young man received over 23 years ago. Who in the world would have believed that? I'll tell you who. This young man. I've just always had an eye for looking out and saying, God, if you can 
fingerprints on it. I want to be involved. Right. And so I've got a lot of preachers that come to me and say, Brother Inger, how is this possible? They, they, they want me to come and talk now about multi-campus ministry and multicultural ministry. I don't speak Spanish, but I pastor a Spanish church and they can't figure out how in the world this fat little white preacher from the middle of nowhere can do what we are doing. I don't give credit to this man. I give credit to that man. But here's what it takes if you honestly want a miracle. You've got to have an open vision. You've got to have eyes that are no longer dim. You've got to have sight that can look past the darkness and look past the problems and look past the, the need and say, Jesus, I see you on the other side of that and you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything we think or ask. That's what it takes. You want a miracle? See your miracle. You want, you want some God to do something in your life? See God doing something in your life long before it ever happens. We walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't mean you can't have the vision. It means that you can't operate by your feelings. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it looks like. If you open up your spiritual eyes, you can see it. I really think that's the difference. A lot of my peers have been raised in church all their life. They've seen what God has. And that's a great thing to be. I wish I was raised in church. But the problem is, is it put a lid on them and says, this is only what God can do. This is only how you operate in the United Pentecostal Church. These are the rules. These are the status quo. These are what you do. And it stamps them and hinders them and says, okay, if you can see it with your natural eyes, then that's as far as you go. Yeah, that's right. Not me. I have no idea what church looks like. The first person I saw run in church was me. The first person I saw be used in gift of tongues was me. The first person I saw abusing gift in the gift of interpretation was me. I'm not pointing to me. I'm just saying I've got vision enough to say I don't care what it looks like. I want what's on the other side. I want what's more. Samuel grew up in a day and age where the church was so, so status quo. It had become a business. It had become a ritual. It had become, become tradition. Samuel's mom, if you remember, came to an altar and prayed. And Eli thought she was drunk because he hadn't seen prayer like that. Right. He didn't recognize God moving an individual. They didn't care anymore. Right. They were status satisfied with the status quo. If you can go later on, later on and read that Eli's sons had become wicked and they, they were doing prostitution and doing all kinds of things in the church and nobody cared. Right. They had no vision. Right. It had become a business. It had become standard. It had become, well, this is the way we always have church. This is this is the way that we always do it. And this is the rules that we gotta apply by. And, and this is this is how we operate among other men. This is how we do it. And, and, and the problem was is God was trying to open up the eyes of a people, but the people wouldn't open their eyes. So he went to a very young child and said, Child, if I can get you not only to hear my voice, if I can get your eyes open. Then things can start happening. It's, it's a problem when you can't see. It, it, there's a major issue when you don't have sight. Things become very dark. You can't move around like other people move around. You, you can't do things like other people. It's always fascinating. I'm not 
teasing, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to ridicule. I know this is going online, and I'll probably get some hate mail. But it's always fascinated me why they put Braille on drive-up wind windows and, 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 and menus. Why, why would you, if you ever look at McDonald's when you pull up and says you can ask for a Braille menu, and I understand there might be a passenger, but they actually put Braille on things out there too. It's like, who's driving a car that can't see? Who pulls up with no sight and reaches out and feels the side of the building and says, I'll take a number one and I'll take a Big Mac and, and a French fries and a Coke. And... But I know a lot of churches, and I'm not criticizing, I know a lot of people, good-hearted people in church that operate that way. Right. They're driving things they can't see. Right. They're attending things that they have no vision for. Right. There's no longer a passion in the pew to see God do great things. Meaning this, I'm going to ruin the whole sermon. Meaning this, there's no longer an expectation that I can show up on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon in Sheldon and God's going to do something great. It's not expected anymore because there's no longer a vision for it. There's no longer a hunger for it. There's no longer a passion for it. There's no longer people saying, you know what? I believe today just might be my day. I see something coming up down the road. This might be my opportunity to receive my miracle. I've pastored long enough that I see in any given church service, I see the game called Pass the Baby and Clip the Fingernails and, and Talk to Your Neighbor and, 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 and Organize Your Purse and Balance Your Check. I've pastored long enough and been on this platform long enough that I've seen everything done. I, I got asked one time what the, what the password to the Wi-Fi was. I said, well, it's right there. Why do you need it? They said, well, we want to watch Netflix during the service. Well, not them, their kids. They wanted their kids to watch it. But I sat and watched that whole service as they looked over this, the, the shoulder of their child and watched Netflix. So they they're in the, they sat in the back, very respectful, I suppose, that you could sit and stream. We're trying to broadcast this, the service to reach the people that are outside uh, uh, of the walls. We're trying to get the message out. And now our streaming is being affected because other people are watching Hulu and Netflix during the church service. Where are the people that still got a vision? Where are the people that still got spirit? They'll say, you know what? I'm not moving out of this place until God does something for me today. The lamp of God went out in the church and they went to bed. I'm sorry, Sister Kristen knows this. I'm not scared. Any of you all are old enough in Pentecost. You know this. Uh, you've been to this one. But where were the days that we used to pray all night long? Where, where, where were the plays that we would just hang on? Where the altar calls where we just hang on until God blessed us? The two in the morning prayers, the three in the morning prayer time. Where are the times when the kids tuck under the pews and, and, and get out of the way and fall asleep so that mom and dad can have their time with Jesus? Where in the world are those days? And I'm not criticizing this next generation. I'm not. I'm caught in the middle. I'm 45, almost 46 years old. I, I'm, I'm old enough to know better, but not old enough to, to, to be smarter. I don't know what the difference is. But I'm just caught in that middle generation right now. But, but there was a group of people that, that introduced this church. There was a group of people that brought this message even to this northwest Iowa that knew how to get a hold of God and knew how to stay on their knees and knew how to pray and knew how to touch the hem of His garment if it were. They knew how to plead the blood. They, they knew how to, how to pray through. They, they knew how to get into a place of prayer that says, God, I'm not going until you bless me. I think it's because 
because we've got uh, people that no longer have vision. We got people that no longer can see God do anything in their lives. We got people that walk around and want to believe what their neighbor says about them over what God says about them. We got people that look through the eyes of everybody else and don't look through the eyes of Jesus. We got people that say, well, there's no way God can love me because they don't love me. That's the wrong eyes. I wish God had not do anything. He would restore the eyesight of His church. Samuel grew up in a day when the, not the preacher had eyes uh, that, were, that were strong enough to, to look into the night, the darkness of that city and say there is hope. He grew up under a priest that didn't know how to open his eyes and see the potential that lied before him. I, 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 told, I, I told Sister Olson, uh, one of the greatest privileges in my life thus far in ministry happened last August. I got to sit across from Brother Legal in his desk and I asked him one question. I went in there determined, I said, I want to know what was it like to start the church here in Waterloo. And for 45 minutes, I shut my mouth and listened to an elder talk about the vision he had all those years ago when he came into a city when there wasn't a church and there wasn't people that prayed like we pray and talk in tongues like we talk in tongues. I sat there for 45 minutes and listened to him cast vision from all those decades before. And I thought, how many more young ministers will raise up and understand what it's like to sacrifice everything they have just simply because they see something that nobody else sees and they hear something that nobody else hears and they believe that God is out there about to do something great for them. I'll be honest with you. I tried to get young people from Bible college to come and help. I tried to call the local Bible college and say, please come and help. Spend the summer here. Come and, come and be the youth pastor. Come and be the, come come in. And they'll tell me this, except there's a salary, except you have full-time housing, except you have this, and except you pastor 300 or 400 or 500 people, I don't want to come. And then I start to simply say to myself, then don't come if you can't see the potential. Don't come here if you can't see the vision. Don't come here if your eyes are looking on the money and not looking at the souls that are at the end of this. I do believe there's going to be over 30 campuses connected with the Pentecostals. And I do believe all these young ministers that are raising up, should they choose to be full-time ministry, there'll be positions open. I, I talked to Brother Rick Gonzalez um, just this last summer at camp, and he's got five campuses right now. He runs probably close to 1,500 people, a total in all those campuses. He's got seven full-time pastors on staff on top of him and his wife and the admin staff that are in the building. I know it works. I've seen it work. I believe it works. I see it out there. I'm not up here promising you something that ain't out there. I see what God has intended for this church. I wonder how many more people can see it. I've never blamed people. I've never blamed the lack of people. In fact, I've told these young leaders all the time, and you guys are going to get scared of this. I said, I pray one time nobody shows up. Because I want to see if they'll still do the 35-minute song service. I want to see if they'll still stand in the pulpit and preach a 45 to an hour long message. I want to still see if they'll have an altar call. If it's just him and his wife. I want to see if they'll still do what God has for them. Because I want to know, do they have eyes enough to see it? Yes, hallelujah, Every miracle I've ever gotten from God is because I've seen it first or I expected it first. Yes. 
not because not because somebody handed it to me nobody wanted to come to marathon 13 years ago now my phone blows up with the evangelists and preachers all day long want to come I want I even got people, the evangelists from the assembly God calling now and he won't back down he called me three times this week I want to come can I just come I want to preach he said he said this he said I'll teach your people how to soul win I said we already know how to soul win he said well I'll teach them how to go out and evangelize I said we already know how to go out and evangelize he said I'll teach them how to go out and start Bible studies and care groups and I said we're already doing that he said well I just want to come I said well he's going to come in May I said I'll just take you out for supper we'll just talk I, I, I said, I don't know why you want to come to. He's from Florida, Tampa Bay, Florida. And he's from Assembly of God. And from Assembly of God. He was around. If you, if you know, he, came, he grew up under uh, Howie Brown's ministry. Remember the Toronto blessing, the holy laughter thing. Okay, if you, if you haven't served charismatic movements, you would, you would know it's probably good. But he came up from that ministry. He said, I just, he, he, kept, he keeps telling me, Pastor, I just want to be part of revival. He said, I want to be the type of revival where we can go seven days a week, 16 weeks in a row. He said, I just, I feel like this is the place that I've got to come. He's from Tampa, Florida. Who in the world knows of Marathon, Iowa, growing up in Florida? Uh-huh. Calls me all the time. I just want to come. I just want to come. I said, Well, come, we'll take you, take you out there. He said, Well, I'll drive up just to preach. From Florida? But it's exciting when your eyes start getting opening. It's exciting. It's exciting when you start seeing the potential. Brother David, the church has been so good to me since I've been here. They've never failed me. They've never forsaken me. They've gone with me. They say, I see it too, Pastor. But in the back of their minds, when I told them 13 years ago that we'd have multiple campuses, when I told them that we'd have Spanish-speaking campuses, when I told them we'd have Christian schools, when I told them we'd have buses, when I told them that I'd be full-time, when I told them all those things in those first few months, Sister Vicki, bless her heart, sat in the front row and laughed. She said, you're crazy. And I said, but I see it. I see it. I've had pastors even recently come tell me, in fact, um, you pray for us. We're trying to get our our, our books done at, at the accountant. And this week the accountant sat down with my wife and said, you guys are crazy. Are you sure you're going full time? It's not going to work. She got in the car. And she said the testimony Thursday, if you hear it, it'll be online eventually. But she said she got in the car Thursday and she started almost crying and saying, God, this isn't going to work. The accountant doesn't even think this is going to work. How in the world are we going to do this? I, I don't. My husband's already resigned. Maybe he can take it back. What's going on? And God just whispered here and said, whose voice are you listening to? Yep. Yep. I don't know what's going to work. I already made the church put the money back. See, I'm not stupid. <laughs> told them, if you put money in the savings account every month, then I'll do it. And they have. So there's no other choice now. They've met their, their end. I've got to meet my end. The accountant doesn't know that, by the way. So so here's here's what I want to show you real quick. And, and I try not to be longer. Mark chapter 8. Go to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. You've got to have eyes. Do, do you remember when you first got the Holy Ghost, how excited you were? Do you remember when you first got really excited about God? All the things.
to start dreaming about it all the possibilities you start seeing we got to get back to that old-fashioned first love that God's calling us to you got to be able to see it I walked in here this afternoon and I said I see it God I, I see it I see the potential I, I see the people I, I count the numbers. I see the vision. I, I don't look and say, well, there should have been 50. I'm not planning to put on Facebook this Saturday that 58 people showed up to the, to the, the church in Sheldon. I'm not planning to do that. I'm planning to say, what a great church Sheldon is. What a great potential we have. I see hundreds of people coming here and I, I see all kinds of people connecting with us. When I talk to the radio station, they're going to ask me, what type of church is this? I'd love to say this is a hand clapping, foot stomping, tongue talking, Holy Ghost sanctified church. That's what I'd love to say. But what I'll tell them is that this is a multicultural, bi or trilingual congregation. I'll tell them that we have Spanish speaking preachers. I'll tell them that we got Karen speaking preachers. I'll tell them that we don't want to empty out their churches. We're looking for the ones that want a genuine connection with a real God. Right. Want people with vision. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, real quickly. I preached this a while ago in, in Storm Lake. Some of you would remember this. It says this, and he cometh to Bethesda, and they bring to him a blind <coughs> I should have brought water and besought him to touch him now I told the congregation there in, in, in Storm Lake that I love names Bethesda thank you Bethesda um, it, it comes from two words the first one means house now Bethel house of God Bethel house of God Bethesda means house of hunting or house of fishing. Not in the act of catching, but in the act of seeking. The hunter is out hunting. The fisherman is out fishing. It's not about catching, it's about the act of doing. Here's, here's going to be a lot of our problems. If we're so worried about catching something, instead of doing it, we'll never get what God wants. If you're actively seeking for miracles but can't see a miracle because you're going you're gonna to want to thank God after you got the miracle, you'll never get your miracle. You've you got to have the ability to see it before you receive it. You've got to have the ability to thank God for it before you ever receive it. You just There's just got to be something in you that sees beyond the problem and sees the God on the other side of that problem. If you truly want to walk the way God has intended you to walk, then it's got to get beyond catching and beyond results and say, well, God, I'll bless you when you do this. That is so immature. Right. And say, God, I'm going to bless you despite it's not healed. I'm going to bless you despite I don't have the victory. And I'm, I'm going to seek you because I know the potential that is in you. Right. So it's this act. Verse 23 goes on to say, and he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the town where he had spit in his eyes and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw anything or saw aught. A couple of things here that when I preached this message, I pointed out to them. Our biggest problem is we got to get out of ourselves. It, it, it's not the same old, same old. You can't do the same thing over and over and over and over again and expect different 
results. It's called insanity if you do. So quite often in order to get your miracle, you have to get out of yourself or get out of the town. That guy wasn't going to get healed being in the same spot he'd always been in. They had to take him by his hand out of the city to get him out of the situation. People that tell me, tell brother and I, I've been praying for years for this. I have one person I work with right now who has fasted every single Tuesday for decades for something to happen. And I don't have time to get into fasting and talking about fasting and, and why I was wrong. But but at some point you've got to say, God, I, you know, I'm faithful and God rewards them that diligently seek Him. I believe all that. But sometimes if it's not working, you've got to do something different. You've got to do something so strange. Jesus spit in his eye. Jesus put his hand on him and asked him after he spit in his eye. You said it was so radical and it was so crazy that it worked. Right. So sometimes you've got to pray longer than the two minute and now I lay me down to sleep prayer to get results. Right. Sometimes you've got to do something so radical, so different before you see results. But, you, but you've got to be from the, the perspective that I see God's hand in this. Right. Uh, yeah. Again, some people ask me all the time, why would you invest all that money in shelter? Because I see it. I want to ask that sometimes. Why would you pastor a church for 40 years and only have three people? Well, God rewards the faithful. I believe that God rewards the faithful. But do something different. Start a Tuesday afternoon service. Start Do something crazy. When I, told, when I first told the district I was going to pastor two churches, they said, you are crazy. Nobody can do that. I said, you're right. But with God, I can do all things. Right. I said, I know it sounds radical. I told one person, I, I remember standing up at a board meeting. It was, it was a home mission board meeting. I stood up. I said, brethren, it is my dream to go full-time pastoring. And in a town of 200, we can't make too many mistakes. I already have a tenth of the town. <laughs> I said, my dream is to go full-time. I said, so I'm going to have to do something so radical as to get outside the town and do something so different so that, that God can open up more doors and more windows. I, I, I think it's funny. My, my wife says, well, how are we going to do all these things? You know, even if I did everything that's required in, in between Sheldon and Storm Lake and Marathon right now, it's only five days a week. Yeah. Brother Ricky, do you work more than five days a week? Of course you do. People are saying, you're crazy to do all that. No, I'm going full time and I'm going to work full time. It'll be the first time in my, my, my adult Christian ministry that I'll actually have a day off. Monday's the pastor's day off. I don't even know what a day off looks like. I'm going to finally get one. And people think I'm crazy. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I've got to do something so different. I've got to get out of this and try something different. I, I've got to step outside of that faith. If you keep doing the same thing and expecting different results, you're crazy. Right. And so they took him outside the city. And Jesus spit in his eyes. How many people would receive that? I mean, if I just came up here right now and said, I believe God's going to heal somebody. Come here, I want to spit on you. First of all, you say, well, let me call my lawyer first. And you're about to get sued. Well, Jim was here, I'd drag him. <laughs> Just saying. Spit on him. I mean, think about it. 
He gets dragged out of the city and the guy's like, what's going on? And he runs into Jesus and he goes, <laughs> like, what? We, vision has nothing to do with your, um, your perfect little pattern of how everything ought to be done and be auto, about how to be organized. Well, God, um, I want this, 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 and this. And by the time you get to step 10, God, then I'll believe that I can be healed. God's never going to heal you. God says you need to look unto the author and the finisher of your faith and not care about the circumstances, not care how you get there. Just God, I know that there's something at the end of it. I never wanted Mark Tipton to go. I didn't want to have to come all the way. I didn't want to have to. I just, that's not my perfect little plan. And when, when, when Brother Tipton, and look, listen, I love him. He's a friend of mine. We've been friends for years. When he said, I'm leaving, I said to my wife, I said, then I'm going. Amen. Most pastors would say, oh, well, just close it up and try better, try harder next time. Like, no, 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 no. You don't understand how God works. Right. I believe God is in this thing. I see it. I, 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 don't, I cannot get shaken by all the little missteps. I can't get shaken by all the little de detours. I, I can't get messed up when it don't happen exactly the way that I thought it can happen. I walk by faith. I don't walk by my little checklist. I don't walk by a pretty little picture. I don't walk by, well, this is the way it works for Jay. I don't walk by that. I walk by saying, God, what's the next door open? Because I see a light at the end of this tunnel. God, where do I got to go next? Hallelujah, Jesus. Watch what happens. Jesus spit in his eye and said, how do you see? And the man looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, some of you give up at that point. Isn't it interesting we can believe God to touch our little back pains and our little neck pains, but when it comes to something greater, we don't want to see that. Right. I've told several people, I am not going to be happy until I get to walk on water. Right. If Jesus takes me home, one of my complaints right now is, will be, well, I didn't get to walk on water. He said, the things that you've seen me do, you shall do also in greater things than these. I'm not going to be happy. You can say that. That's funny. That's silly, Pastor. I'm serious. I am not going to be happy until these feet walk across water. Not for my glory, but for His glory. I want to see God do great things. I am not going to be happy until dead are raised. I'm not going to be happy until deaf ears open up. I'm not going to be happy until blinded eyes open up. I will not satisfy I be satisfied until God does everything He's wanting to do through me and through this church. Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to be happy. And I'll wait for it. And I'll believe for it. And he said, do you see any things? He said, well, I kind of see men now. They kind of look like trees. And the whole church will go nuts. Ah! That wasn't good enough for Jesus. After he had said those things in verse 25, he put his hands on him again and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent unto him away to his house saying, neither go into, in, into town nor tell anybody in the town that you see. I've been preaching for 30 minutes. I, I'm going to finish this up, I promise you. <laughs> we can't be satisfied with five campuses. We, we can't be satisfied 
with, with what's going on right here. I understand that. But nor can we sit and suck our thumbs and declare it's over and whine about everything we don't have. We've got to have the eyes to say, I see what the future holds in Jesus Christ. I see the victory. I see my family walking in this door. I see the miracle happening on some night. I see, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. I came to Marathon not because what they had is because what I saw God was going to do through them. Right. Sister Betty Bjorklund, we, we, just, we just buried here a couple of years ago. She told me one of her last services in, in Storm Lake, she grabbed my hand. She said, Pastor, I, I don't know if this sounds strange or not, but she said, when I said it years ago, a decade ago, nobody believed in me. But I told all the people in Marathon, I said, I see a day when, when, when we have all the pews filled and the balcony is filled and we're running over. And she said, but this is the part everybody gets confused of. She said, I told them that we saw every color and every tongue and every tribe she said, I just seen a multitude of different people from all over the world in this building. And that was the Sunday she looked up and she said, look, Pastor, there are people here from Mexico and there's people from here from here and there's people here from there. And there's people here. Look at all the colors that are in this church. She said, this is what I kept telling them would happen. That's why I came to Marathon. Not because there were 13 there, but because there were people that said, I see a day when this building is full and I see a day when there's Spanish speaking and Karen speaking people. I see a day when there's all kinds of tribes and colors and kindreds and tongues. People from all over the world. I see a day in this little town of 200. Yes. That town is messed up. I mean, they're shook up now. They're like, what is going on? I got people that meet me every Monday or Tuesday. It's like, I counted 45 cars in the parking lot marathon. What's going on there? <laughs> I get calls all the time from the city. It says, your people are here. You need to come over and talk to them. I'm like, who? And they say, well, so-and-so. I said, they don't go to my church. They say, yeah, but you speak Spanish. Come down and talk to them. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Well, your people. <laughs> Brother Garson told me one day one of his biggest pet peeves, if you ever want to upset Brother Garson or some of the, the other people in the church, is to say that everybody in Storm Lake is from Mexico. They're not. Some are from Colombia, some are from Guatemala, some, some are from Mexico, some are from Central Mexico, some are from West Coast Mexico, some are from South of Mexico City. They're all over. Who would have thought? There are ten nations represented right now in our collective congregations. I mean, first generation, born and raised in that, that nation and moved here in, in somehow in their, their child or adulthood and come to that church and it's all across the back of that Storm Lake Church. Who would have thought? I'll tell you who would have thought. I did. That's why I came. I could see that years ago. I preached my very first time outside of Spencer, Iowa. I preached in Marathon. And that night, as we were going home, I could still take you to the place where it happened. We came around the curve, went, <coughs> went into this town, Webb, I think it was, and we went up and over. We were about this bridge going back up to 18, heading over to Royal, Iowa. And my wife looked at me and she said, what are you thinking about? I said, oh, nothing. She said, what scares you? I said, well, what scares me is that they'll call me to pastor that church someday. That was right after I preached there. I mean, that night, going home, became a family joke. Every time we were out trying to interview for other churches, we went to Atlantic, Iowa, Ames, Iowa. We, we, we applied at all these churches like we're going to pass to those churches. And, and everybody said, well, brother, what's your biggest fear? I'm like, marathon will call someday. That's my biggest fear. 
Brother, Brother Reuter caught wind of it, said, Brother Anger, I heard that you're out looking for churches. Have you ever considered marathon? I went, I lied to him. I'll tell you. I'm standing the pulpit. I lied to him. I said, Brother Reuter, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to pray about that. Give me a week. We'll pray and fast. And I'll get back to you at the end of the week or, or next week sometime, and I'll tell you what, my, what God has said to me. I said that. I didn't sleep at all that night. I did not. Sunday night, I didn't sleep at all. Monday morning, I wake up. I call Brother Reuter. Brother Reuter said, well, what do you want? I said, I don't have to pray about it. We're coming to Marathon. He said, well, don't you want to fast? Don't you want to talk? I said, no. God's been telling me for 10 years that I'd end up in Marathon a pastor. I said, I don't even know why I was stupid enough to fake and fool God out, but he didn't let me sleep last night. <laughs> he said, well, at least come to Spencer. We'll talk about it. I said, you can talk all you want. God has already told me told me a long time ago, I see, I see it, I see it, I see it. I don't understand these people that if it doesn't happen tomorrow, they quit or they give up or how somehow magically God tells them one thing this month and then something else the next month or this is what God said and then two months from now, this is what God said, this is what God says, this must be the will of God, that must be the will of God, that must be. I don't understand those people. Are you blind? God doesn't change his mind. He said, I don't change at all. If he said it, I believe it, and I see it, and I declare it, and I walk towards it. I have no problem, no problem walking in the comfort and, 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 and the security that I have in Jesus Christ because I know that he's not a man that he should lie. I know that if he said it, he believes it. I know that if he declared it, it's going to happen. All I've got to do is keep my eyes focused on Jesus and keep walking that direction and it will happen. I get very nervous when, God, when, when people start saying that they got a bipolar God. I said this one day, then he said this the next day, and then God changed his mind and went this way. No, no, no. Open your eyes and see. And so this guy became healing. You know these, these scriptures. I just got a few here. Proverbs 29, verse 18 said, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Your problem is always going to be your eyes. Can you see it? Can you see it? But I, I'll just—we've already gone 35 minutes. I'm sorry, almost 40 minutes now. I, I'll just—I'll forget the rest of it. But, but I want—I wanted to end with this. Can you see what this building will look like? Can you see all the people? We just had somebody walk, just as I got to the scripture, walk by with a stroller, looking at the whole way from that class all the way to that class, looking in with their child. Can you see the people that will come in that door? Can you see the people that you're going to door greet and welcome to the house of God? Can you see the people that are going to, going to require Bible studies and, and you to put effort in them? Can, can you see what God is going to do? I was so bent on trying to get all this stuff over here. We were running just a little late and, 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 and we were at the church. I'm like, we got to take this. Mom, so we got to go. I'm like, I know. We got to take this. I got to take this. I couldn't figure out how to get the pulpit in, into the van. I'm like, well, just forget it. We'll bring it next time. I'm like, no. I got to get it there because I want people to start seeing what a church looks like in Chicago. I've got to get it there so people can start hearing what preaching is like in that building. I've got to get to there in my suit and tie so that one day they Next 
20 minutes that are here in this building. Not, not if you walk in expecting to see 10,000 and you're disappointed because only three show up. I see it. I see the day. In fact, I sat during worship. I love the worship uh, um, that this church has turned into. I, I see the day when, when, when people are coming to this altar and dancing and worshiping and weeping and crying. I could just see it. I closed my eyes. I just seen lifted hands up. I just seen people praying. I, I, I saw when Chris, Sister Chris was playing the piano, introducing another generation. You said it uh, into old time Pentecostal music. I, I just seen it. I see, look over here and see these young people. I see a Sunday school field with kids. I just see it. One of my biggest problems as a pastor is people that can't see. I always get criticized all the time. Well, Pastor, we don't have this yet. Well, I know we don't have that yet. But can you see the day that we have them? Yeah. When, when Marathon, please, oh, this is going to go online. I'm going to get in trouble. When Marathon first started growing, I had people, Brother Larry, come to me and start complaining about the kids. Now, the kids are wrecking the pews. The kids are running around crazy. They're, they're, what are you going to do about that, Pastor? I said, nothing. Well, when Brother Ruder was here, he wouldn't let kids come up there. He wouldn't let kids do this. Listen, I know that we have to have respect for the house of God. I know that. But it's part of the growth. If you can only see the 13 that were there, then that's all the further we could go. But if that kid running up and down the aisle that's disrupting the church services, you know it no longer becomes a distraction, but part of the vision that I see a Sunday school field with 500 children, then you can be part of it. Then you can experience it. Then we'll see it. When you can look that far in the future and look past all the problems, then you can have it. When you can sit through a service with a headache and wanting to go, all the while God's saying, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, thank God you didn't leave. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I, oh, help me, Jesus. I can see a day when this platform, listen, when I got to Marathon, Brother Larry, there was just Sister Elder Ruder. That was it. That's all we had for the music. We had an organ. And I got people complaining now, Sister Chris, that the keyboard's too loud. <laughs> that the, ba the bass needs to be turned down a little bit. That the drums were just a little loud. I'm like, do you want to go back 13 years ago when all we had was an organ and all we had is a couple of hymns that we could sing out of the songbook? Heaven's going to be louder. That's right. Heaven's going to be a lot louder. Do you want to go wrong? We're going to go back to that. No, I don't want to go back to that. People say, well, the youth group isn't what it should be. I know it's not, but do you really want to go back when there was no youth in the church? Yes. Well, we need a youth pastor. I know we need a youth pastor, but I really don't want to go backwards. I see a day when the youth got 15 buses, 100 seat passenger buses. I see a day when we got 10 or 12 youth pastors. I see a day when we got a full-time staff of youth ministry. I see a day when that's happening. something great here even this year. <laughs> I told them that we'd have a Christian school. No, we don't have a Christian school yet, but we're getting closer. We're getting there. We almost had it. I I'm planning to go full time and do something in the fall to help out all the homeschooling kids with science and with math because I see it. I see a day. I walked into Storm Lake, Iowa, that building that God blessed us with and 13 classrooms and I walked around and said, I see this hallway running with kids. I see activity every single day in this campus. Your dad comes 
to me all the time. Says, well, I, we need to start up the bus ministry again. I believe we need to start up the bus ministry again. I really do. I can see it. I heard the bus fire up Thursday. I can see it. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that, that we got to get to the place where we can see past all of this. You know something, Brother Jose, that I never did uh, too often, whether I was in Muscatine or Marathon. Or when I go to Marathon, Brother David, there's only five that show up on a Wednesday night. I never got up and said, well, the Bible said where two or three are gathered in His name. Because that's such a negative, depressing sir. That's you getting up saying, I can't see God doing anything in this tonight because there's only two of us here. I love that scripture. Don't get me wrong. I love that scripture. But I'm not using it as an excuse because I see a day when there are thousands upon thousands in the Pentecostals of Marathon, Storm Lake, Sheldon, Iowa, Cherokee, Carroll, all over Hesterville, Emmitsburg. I see when the Pentecostals rate over thousands of people. Why don't you just bow your head real quick? Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to simply, if you can't see it, ask God to touch you one more time. If you can't see, if you can't see that healing, ask God to touch you one more time. If you can't see a day when there's no more day with headaches, if you can't see a day when there's no more day uh, of whatever problem you're struggling with, then I'm just gonna ask you, God, will you touch me one more time so I can see it more clearly? I'm sorry there's not 58 people here today I'm sorry that we're not bragging about 60 in, in this service today I'm sorry but I can see a day when there's 60 in here from Sheldon, Iowa I can see a day when there, there is bilingual multicultural ministry happening right here in this corner of, of Iowa I can see when people from Sibley and Sheldon and, and and Lamars and Hospers and Boyden and all these times. I can see a day when they come in. Yes. Amen. Jesus, open our eyes yes. so we can see it. Here's what I want you to do one more time. That one thing you stop praying about, that one thing that you even told God, well, it's just never going to happen, so I'm, I'm not even going to bother you with anymore. That one thing. I just want you to raise your hand one more time and say, God, I'm sorry. My eyes, something that went wrong with my eyes. Would you, would you fix my eyes so that I can see it again, so that I will pray again for it? I'm telling you, there was a generation that never gave up on you. There was a generation that would pray till 2 or 3 in the morning. They, they didn't have to, have to have the answer right then. They just never gave up. Jesus, I'm praying that prayer again. Jesus, I'm praying that Sheldon would grow. God, I'm praying that prayer again. I'm, I'm excited about the future. I, I see, God, what you are about to do in this place. And we'll give you glory and honor for all of it. Hallelujah. I see it, Jesus. 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 If you don't see your marriage getting better, it'll never get better. If you don't ever see yourself in the ministry, you'll never be in the ministry. If you don't ever see yourself in a different position than you're in right now, you'll never get there. Jesus, I pray that you would take us out of where we're at just so we can get our eyesight back again. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I just believe in Jesus. Father, I ask that you would help us open our eyes right now.
in Jesus' name.